You're listening to the Comic Crusaders Podcast. I am your host, Al Mega, CEO of Comic Crusaders and Undercover Capes. In this show, I'm sitting down with creators from all walks of life to talk about inspiration, process, the lessons they've learned, and a whole lot more. What up, mi gente? What's poppin'? It's your boy, Al Mega. Welcome to a brand new Comic Crusaders Podcast. And today, we got a treat. An amazing independent creator that had a kick-ass Kickstarter called Lycan Solomon's Odyssey Chapter 1, right? Chapter 2 is popping. That's what he's here for. But he also is a host of an amazing D&D podcast, probably the best D&D podcast, Bots AD D&D podcast, all right? He's also, you know, he's the writer behind this awesome joint. Let me bring on the one, the only, Mr. Dennis Robinson. Where are going on, kiddo? How are you doing? How am I supposed to follow that up? Like, that's so much energy. Like, how am I supposed to, like, I don't know, I don't even know what I'm supposed to do here. <laughs> I got all kinds of hats in here. I feel like I should have done something crazier, but that's fine. Yeah, wait, wait, You're doing go, go all right. Thanks for having me on, Al. <laughs> no, nah, brother, no, thank you for coming on and, you know, talking about this awesome project. You know, I've, I've been reading it. I'm going to be honest. I have not finished reading, but you got me hooked like a fish that I almost got upset. I was about to say, um, can, can we wait another hour? <laughs> <laughs> I want to finish uh, interrupting my reading. How dare you? And he's the writer, folks. You know what I mean? But, you know, <laughs> So far, what I've read is wonderful. Thank you. Uh, I'm, I'm really digging it. I'm, I'm, I'm flowing with it. I'm like, all right, this is cool. I like the time setting. I am a Conan fan, so I like the whole setting. So, but we're going to get into all that stuff. So, folks that don't even know you, you know what I mean? Uh, sure. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Like, where you from, OG? Where you at? So, I didn't actually get too far away from where I started. So, uh, I grew up <laughs> in the outskirts of Gettysburg, Pennsylvania, and now I live in Gettysburg, Pennsylvania. Um, I'm a consultant by day, podcaster by night, and then in whatever little spare time I have left, I create uh, comic books. I started creating about five years ago, and then the first book finally came out uh, on Kickstarter last year, and then I finally got the physical copies like two months ago, so I just started selling those uh, recently. Good. Awesome, awesome. So growing up you know, in that area, you know, how did you even get into pop culture? Who introduced it to you, or was it self-discovery? Uh, I would say self-discovery. So, like, especially, like, werewolves and stuff like that, um, I just kind of stumbled upon it while at the library. Because in elementary school, they make you go to the library, I forget how many days a week, and I just happened to come upon uh, a book that was okay. all about the um, the Universal Monster movies. And so there was oh, cool. one about the Wolfman with Lon Chaney. And so that's how I sort of discovered that. And I would say everything else kind of fell through things like the sci-fi channel. Like I got really into Godzilla because they would always have Godzilla marathons and <laughs> stuff like that. So I just always seem to stumble into things. And then, you know, I just keep, it's kind of like Katamari Damacy. I just keep adding things on as I roll along and uh, so yeah, <laughs> I this whole nerd thing going on. Don't you love the nerd thing? So did you have a clique of nerds while you were growing up, or was it your lone nope. wolf? Uh, so I sort of floated around from friend group to friend group. Um, He's the floater. So like, <laughs> you'd have the, you'd have the, the band nerds, you'd have the jocks, you'd have the, the redneck types, like whatever. Like I can usually talk with anybody about anything. My family's yeah. all over the place too, so I've sort of Got gotten it. used to being able to communicate with all kinds of different people from all walks of life. Um, so 
then when I went to college, that's when I really started to settle into the to the nerd roots. And then after college, it just basically ramped up from there, especially after I started the D&D podcast. That kind of <laughs> goes without saying. You get so, kind of super so nerdy. The, the, so the D&D podcast, okay, so what was first? Was it the comic book creation or was it the podcasting? Technically, I had the idea for the comic book 10 years ago, but I shelved it. And then okay. the podcast started six and a half years ago. So technically, the comic book came first. But fucking <laughs> for the chicken or the egg, like, come yeah. on now. See, this is what he's oh, doing us. <laughs> so the only reason the comic book even exists is because of the podcast. So okay. uh, you and I were talking backstage before the show. We go to Dragon Con every year, and I love Dragon Con. And our first year we went to Dragon Con, you know, we're hanging out with other podcasters, other nerds, and, you know, we start talking comics and things like that. And I said, you know, I, I had a comic book idea back in the day. And they, so they had me pitch the idea to them, and they said, this is definitely something you should probably do. And then I started from that point trying to figure out how to write a comic book. And so, yeah, <laughs> if it wasn't for the podcast, I wouldn't even have the comic book, probably. All right. So let's talk about the podcast a little. What made you start, you know, get into podcasting? I'm always interested in those stories. <laughs> we we were drunk. That's, that's how it got started. We were drunk. Um, the D&D so, was just drunk and dizzy. All right. Gotcha. Yeah. So, I mean, <laughs> most people probably know already, you know, when you play in D&D with your friends, usually there's some drinking involved. So, you know, we, we started playing D&D about seven, eight years ago. And we had this other podcast we used to listen to called Nerd Poker. And it, it's like a bunch of stand-up comedians um, that do a D&D podcast. And then it went off the air because they all got busy with lives and, you know, went their separate ways for a while. And we just got to drink them one night after we got done playing. And we're like, hey, you know, I think people would really enjoy this weird crap that we always end up getting into. Should we start a podcast? So we literally got equipment out of a barn like uh, one of the guys on our show <laughs> said, his um, manager or boss uh, used to be in a band so he has all this musical equipment but it's all just sitting in a barn like he never uses it oh, so he wow. acquired a soundboard he got uh, some mic stands we bought some really cheap uh, like $20 microphones and started to play around with things and try and figure things out um, mm. And then, yeah, just started podcasting. And then slowly over time, you know, the show kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger. So then nice. we started upgrading uh, from $20 mics to you know, 60 to 90 $400 mics. Like, so it just ramped up and up and up. He and mumbled we, when he said for a hundred. Like, yeah. Uh -oh. <laughs> anyway, I hear you. I, luckily, I've been lucky. I, I did start with $20 mics, but I actually won, like, you know, a good show mic. Thanks to PodFest. I don't know if you were of, of that program. Shout out to Chris. Okay. PodFest yeah, commits those. Yeah, yeah, dude, great, great podcasting. Uh, yeah. So he's definitely uh, got to check that out, that whole platform. A yeah. lot, lot of education. That's actually the <laughs> next planned mic. Uh, that's the final phase of mic evolution, as far as we know, is to get okay. one of those shores. Um, at least I've been told. They're like the best of the best. So Awesome. Let's get it done, kiddo. Say, you're kicking yeah. ass there. Say, you've been kicking ass on this book. Let me let me bring up this baby that, that, okay. that we were talking about. Because I'm going to show you guys. Right, the first one that he did. All right. So the chapter one that, that was look at this. 177 backers, but you know, over ten thousand. Awesome, dude. I mean, how much were you looking for when you started? I mean, this is your first Kickstarter ever and your first book, yeah. right? So the double whammy. 
Oh yeah, yeah, double whammy. Oh uh, whoa! I, okay. I set the goal at six thousand. I think it was either six thousand or six thousand six hundred. I, I can't remember exactly, but I know it was around six. Okay, awesome. And I was so very paranoid feel? about the six. <laughs> so how did you feel about you know? Okay, first off, sure. Why Kickstarter? Why did you choose that platform as your first platform with you know, all the available options today? So I have known a few people. Uh, so I've backed projects on Kickstarter before, so I was familiar with it that way. Okay. And I know a few people who have done Kickstarter um, projects. And I know through Botch, there's a few of the artists that we work with. They've also done Kickstarter projects. So I sort of just picked that one up because it seemed like the one that a lot of people were using. And I, I liked the look of it. I liked how it worked. Um, and, you know, I wanted to go with a platform that has a big audience that could just discover it. Um, and even though I didn't get uh, the projects we love, sort of like logo put on things, gotcha. I, I tried to ask, I was like, how does one even get that? And they said, you know, it's just, we pick it. There's not really any way to get it. It's like getting the blue check mark on Twitter, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, so I'm hoping since the first one was successful, maybe they'll notice the second one. They'll give me that little tag. Because if you get the projects we love, then you go into a special place on the website and then more nice. people can discover you. So there are and and the staff that i spoke with while i was trying to set things up and i had lots of questions they were super nice super helpful so um yeah so i, I would say that's that's why i went with kickstarter instead awesome. of like indiegogo or crowdfunder nope. or anything. i asked because i'm in greenpoint and this is kind of where their office is at around oh, here okay <laughs> so that was when they were in manhattan the, on the lower east side i went to one of their functions where they had invited a lot of uh of people that have Kickstarter projects to talk with mm -hmm. potential backers as well. The nice little oh, wow. networking event. It was really cool. So, you know, Kickstarter does two really different things. They don't really announce stuff like that too much. I haven't seen, but hopefully, with the you know all this stuff kind of dying down, hopefully, you know, we have these opportunities to get the network on that level. So, yeah. talk to me again. This being your first baby, sure. how what, what what was that like for you? Again, you know, making your first comic, building a team, like what even direction did you get? Like, how did you figure this out, bro? Um, the best way to describe the entire thing was messy. So I had <laughs> no idea how to write a, a comic back then. So the first version of the book is some sort of weird mutant abomination cross between a comic and a regular book. Like a, it okay. sort of reads sort it's just like an overly descriptive book that it, it just didn't really work in either way. But the idea was to sort of get... The, the overall story across and um, just get feedback on, in terms of like, okay, like what character should I build on? You know, things yeah. I should change, things I should work on, stuff like that. So I gave that first iteration of the book to friends. They checked it out. They said, okay, you know, spend some more time, you know, here with these characters, do more with this, do more with that, less of this, less of that. And so I just kept refining it, rewriting it, refining it, rewriting it, but it still wasn't a comic script. And then I have a, a good friend, um, Shannon, who is pretty close-knit in the comic community. And she, one way or another, got me in touch with uh, my first editor. Uh, but this was before he was my editor. Uh, his name's Henri Pumpen. And oh, man, I know. Oh, man, that's, my, you know that's my boy. Yes, yeah, of course. So look on the screen right there. His, his name is right, uh, right there at the top. <laughs> oh man, that, that, that's my homie. Yes, yes. Okay, didn't know you know him. But, but yeah, uh, hey man, this community is small. <laughs> I guess I, I know, right? Um, so 
he set me up with sort of like a script format. So I, I started to, you know, rework the book into more of a script. And then he actually put me in touch with his first editor that he ever had. And this is where the, the first big speed bump happened where, so I gave everything to that guy. And the guy mm. said, there is nothing salvageable about this book. But if you'd like to learn how to write comics, I'll, you can pay me $1,800 and then we'll go do that. What? Said, cool. Thanks, but no thanks. And so I, I almost quit at that point. Wow. My roommate, Phil, who's also a member of Botched, uh, was like, if you don't continue this project, I'm going to be incredibly disappointed in you, which was ironic because he was giving me crap constantly on Twitch every week <laughs> uh, you know, through the book. So I said, okay. That's, a good, so that's then, what friends do, bro. That's love. Yeah. So then Henri actually uh, spoke with Shannon again, and he contacted me and said, I want to be the editor on the book. So oh, wow. I gave him everything I had, and he goes, look, he's like, obviously you need to work on some things. You've never done this before. You have no idea what you're doing. He's like, but to say there's nothing there is not true. So he worked with me on writing the script basically from, from scratch. The overall story is the same, but like he taught me how to better uh, describe panels, like how should okay. panels look, um, captions, dialogue, uh, like what Not should just writing a story, but being so exactly. descriptive on everything, top of it. Yeah, everything. Um, Set the mood, kiddo. Yeah. And um, so then he also worked with me to uh, start to try and find an art team. And at the same time, I used my um, networking through one of my uh, botched artists. They put me in touch with, uh, well, their husband, actually, who was also in the comics industry. And he put okay. me in touch with a Facebook group called Pairing. I think it's called Pairing Writers with Artists. And it's a very legit page where you have to have like legit ads for work or they will just boot you right out of the group and it can't be like oh work for exposure or anything like that so because <laughs> i had tried deviant art and you get a ton of responses but there wasn't a lot of great quality at least for what i was looking for um because there was a, a particular style i was going for and just nothing was jumping out to me so we tried this facebook group and the quality was much much higher and i ended up finding a group of artists that I thought could work. So I gave them a tryout. And one of them, Sal Denaire, who's the artist on the book, love his work so, so much. He mm -hmm. hit the nail on the head for exactly what I was looking for. Um, I mean, look at this stuff. Look at that. Yeah. And the colorist, his name is Ezekiel Dominguez. And I love the color because originally um, it was going to look more like sort of this type of desert. Yeah. And I said, hey, for nighttime scenes, like I love color. So like, I don't even care if it yeah. doesn't necessarily make sense. Give me more color. Think the Aladdin color palette. Huh. Blues, purples, you know, yeah. stuff like that. Um, and he was beautiful. all for that. He's just like, yeah, more more color. Um, it definitely portrays night, though. You don't miss the mark here. It's gorgeous. Yeah. So I, I, I got incredibly lucky with the art team uh, that we put together. And my letterer, um, Joel Saavedra, he actually came over from Omri. That's Omri's letterer that he oh, uses really? for all of his books. So, um Henri had put me in touch with him, and then boom, that's the art team. There's no inker on the project. So the style I was going for, um, I actually didn't like the way things looked if they were inked in order to get that style. So yeah. we just didn't go with it. Um, and I think gotcha. it worked out great personally. But, I mean, it's uh, a gorgeous book. Look at this stuff. Thank you. Amazing. I like that. You got those old school panels and, you know, wordy, like the old school books. Like, you know, you buy something that actually is going to yeah. keep entertained for a while. It's not 
not a Marvel DC 10 minute read book. That's not what this is. This is no. dope. Well, nice long read, you know, that you enjoy. So that was another speed bump that I had to figure out. So yeah, I had the script written and I had the rules that Omri taught me, but after the art was put on there, the artist was like, you got too many, you got too much, too many pants, like too many dialogue boxes. Like, You're you covering gotta, my art. <laughs> yeah. You, you gotta, you gotta cut some stuff down. So, Tone it down, baby. <laughs> so originally the, so the book was 60 pages and then Omri said, yeah. you know, it's going to be tough to sell a 60 page book. We should make it 24 pages. So mm. I mm. couldn't take 60 and make it 24. Like that just didn't work. Like there's too much stuff to cut to make it 24. So I said, okay, what if we cut the book in half and then release it as halves? And he's like, okay, that should work. So uh, we made a 24 page book. But again, that's when I got the comment. There's too many dialogue boxes. So I added two pages and then I added two pages and then I added two pages. So it was 30 pages and then COVID hit. And after COVID hit, uh, the art got delayed quite a while. So then the second half of the book essentially got done before the Kickstarter was supposed to launch. So I said, well, screw it. We'll just put the book back together. So then it, instead of two 30-page books, it was just one 60-page book again um, okay. with 12 pages of extra and whatnot. So. Oh, there you go. Again, and people need that type of entertainment. Again, it's a dope breed. I've already passed all that stuff. Yeah, and all this. But yeah, look at this. I mean, haha, look at that blood splatter. <laughs> look at that head rolling. I mean, what's the inspiration from, bro? Really? You said that you've held this onto this for over 10 years and shelved it. Yeah. You know, but, 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 you know, what made you really shelve it? And, you know, and I know that you said it was Lon Chaney, but, uh, you know what I mean? You also have like, like history stuff going on. So, you know, sure. this isn't that Lon Chaney type of. of no, 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 no. So this is way uh, over. Uh, this takes place in 8,000 BC, so like way, way, way before Long Chain. <laughs> um, so there's a few things that sort of went into why I made the book the way that I did. So I obviously love werewolves, mostly because I like that duality. Same reason yeah. why I like the Hulk. Same reason why I like, you know, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Like that sort of duality where there's like two separate sort of things going on and you know one half doesn't necessarily have control over the other half that kind of thing i always enjoyed those kinds of stories yeah so that's the first part and i i, I just dig werewolves i think they're cool you don't get a whole lot of werewolf stories you get a ton of vampires you get a ton of zombies you don't get a whole lot of werewolves even though they're yes. way agreed um and then i love mythology as well um so i originally got into mythology by playing the god of war games um, so i got really really into greek mythology but then i started uh, through the podcast, actually, starting to branch out and check out other countries' mythology, you know, Japanese mythology, Chinese mythology. Um, so with this, I actually got to explore. Now, the first book doesn't delve as much into uh, Saudi Arabian mythology, but the second book that comes out soon actually delves a lot more into uh, oh, nice. Arabian mythology. So you have monsters that are uh, Saudi Arabian in origin and some uh, stories of myth that get wrapped in that. So I've always liked the idea of having sort of a alternate history telling sort of, but also mixing in monsters and mythology uh, because, you know, that, that stuff's always been a huge part of human culture anyway. So I'm like, okay, so what if all that stuff was a thing? Um, so I've always wanted yeah, well, to do something like that. Um, again, it's on to a Conan fan, you know what I mean? I love that. No. And the barbarian era and all that stuff. <laughs> I was going to say this earlier, but I was waiting for a point, so I'm glad that you brought that back up. So the artist who did the cover, his name's Christian Dabari, and yeah. he did, I forget if it was because of the cover or if it was because some of the other stuff from the Kickstarter that he shared, 
but he got the ability to do covers for Conan because of that stuff. Say what? So, yeah, so because uh. he, he messaged me, he's like, hey, because of the stuff that you had me working on, Conan saw it, or like the, whoever it is that produces Conan saw it, and they, you know, had me do a cover for him. So it's like, that's super awesome. Nice. So small one. Nice. Congrats. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. But you see people sharing, and that's what happens. This is what this community is, is about, independent community, yeah. you know, and got him, you know, a good gig with, with a major player. I mean, that help, that yeah. helps anyone's career, dude. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. That's okay. awesome. Salute. And, and the reason I shelved it was because, well, at the time, I was uh, I was a therapeutic support staff, aka making eighteen thousand dollars a year. So oh, I didn't have any money to do any of the stuff, and I was like, "That's not really a realistic thing. Like, it's never going to happen. I'm never going to make a comic book." Okay. So I showed you were one of those. You were a pessimist then. <laughs> Why? Well, I, I prefer the term realist, but yes, I'm. Pessimist. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so I shelved it, and then. Like I said, through podcasting, I sort of got back into it. And I was like, okay, well, I have a little bit of money now, so I could probably afford to put together an art team. And while it's very expensive, it's still cheaper than I originally thought it was going to be. So, yeah, yeah so my job, technic I don't have kids. I don't have a wife or anything like that. So literally, you know, all the money oh, I make at work basically con just goes. Congrats, bro. Congrats, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Man, yeah, congrats. I'm not saying that's it, but I'm, I'm not making fun of you being single. I'm just saying opportunity there to invest in yourself as you should and yeah. dedicate time to your, to your craft. So yeah. awesome, bro. I mean, it's a good thing. It's a good thing. There's why that, that podcast is popping, right? Number one, <laughs> baby. Come on. There you go. <laughs> Again, yeah, see, this is what I, I, I love. And why this panel usage, too? I mean, do you like, like, 80s comics? Because that's kind of what it reminds me of. Like, so, you know. Late 70s, early 80s, a lot of panels like this. So the it. actual panel layout. So I, I had, so when I wrote up the script, I had written up the panels in my head, just like fairly standard equidistant. But okay. part of what I love about Sal's work is that he can take the panels and then arrange them in an interesting order. Or, you know, like even one of the first couple pages you showed, like some panels don't have a border. Or like things go across panels. Um, let's go. Let's go. Go down. Go back down again to the head rolling scene. Oh yeah, the head roller. <laughs> hey, look at that. Yeah, so like that bottom panel doesn't right here, have yeah. a box to it, and it sort of bleeds behind the other panels. And there's a few other pages in the book where you know there's something leaping out of one panel into another panel and things like that. So I I love the creativity with how he takes the panels and still like makes them different um, it's very 3d to me because again look yeah. his, his head is over this panel but under this one you know yeah. and then that hand the way it's just that's that's, that's jesus christ that goes across <laughs> <laughs> so yeah so um i would say you know i don't know if i had any particular sort of inspiration in terms of like how i laid out the pages i just sort of visualize in my head what I want to happen and then try and fit it on a page where it's not too busy uh, or anything like that. What inspired think, this cover? Look at that. That's so sorry. fire, my God. So the first cover, so oh, Chris yeah. already did both of these Oof. covers. And the first cover, um, Christian just had free reign to do whatever it is that he wanted to do. Which is and then this I said, one, hey, right? Yeah, that one right there. Which is so he amazing, had, too. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. And then uh, the colorist, Ezekiel, he actually did the colors for the covers, too. So okay. 
Um, but uh, for that one, okay. I was like, you know, I kind of want to have sort of like that classic sort of Star Wars where things are layered in a certain way. And so I tried sketching things out, but I'm very, very rusty at drawing. So that didn't go so well. So then I basically put a collage <laughs> of pictures together to like where people were in similar poses to try and okay. get an idea of like where things were. And he's like, oh, okay, gotcha. And then he built it up from there. Amazing. I, I love the cover. Fire. Fire, you had great rewards. Again, this one was already funded, but you know, th this is what we're talking about. You got introduced to the world, but look, folks. Oof, oof. <laughs> Whipa! Chapter two. I mean, look at that artwork on that corner right there. Jeez, yo, doesn't that look like it's a rock and roll crazy dead eye so, doing thing going on? What's going on with chapter two? When, when is this coming out, bro? Preach. Yeah, and who you said, Christian? Who? So Christian Navari did the, this particular cover. There's going to be two other okay. covers. They're not done just yet, so I can't share those. But they will be part of the Kickstarter. So they'll be done by the time the Kickstarter comes out. Um, but for right now, this is the only cover that I'm sort of sharing right now. So as I was mentioning, uh, Saudi Arabian folklore or mythology. So you had mentioned, I think it was backstage, you, you called them zombies. But they're actually yeah. ghouls. And Ooh. ghouls are neat in Arabian folklore because... They feed on the remains of the dead, and then they can take on the form of that person and okay. then trick, basically, whoever it is to, like, coming away with them, and then they eat them, too. So so uh, it, they're almost like Chew, just uh, they, they take over. Yeah. Like, like Ghost Whisperer. A Chew yeah. mixed with Ghost Whisperer. <laughs> yeah, a little bit, a little bit. So, <laughs> so this book, so the series of books, uh, my, my plan is 15 books overall, and three oh, major nice. arcs. Yeah. And each arc has five chapters. Now, most of the time, the chapters are going to be like jump ahead in time a little bit. But the second book takes place directly after the first book. So right after the page ends for the first book, this one kicks off, you know, same day, maybe a little bit later in the day. Got you got the Halloween stuff going on when part two came on. Same day. Here we go. What's going on? <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> Love it. But um, so, yeah, so. Without giving too, too much away, this book really delves into sort of the internal struggles while also expanding on things like magic and mythology of the, the region. Because, you know, he first discovered that world that there's other stuff going on. And now, like, that starts to expand. So now he's really, you know, falling into everything and sort of discovering, yeah. you know, all the different things that are going on. But it, it really touches a lot on PTSD. Um, this Ooh, book okay. does. Wonderful. Wonderful. I mean, was that something in particular that you had in mind to do? And any yeah. particular reason why? Well, so in my head, anyways, you know, if somebody's a werewolf, and as most werewolf movie stories go, you know, they end up, you know, killing people. And I figure, you know, if you wake up in the next morning and you're just covered in blood and guts and you've realized what you've done, <laughs> you're probably going to have some PTSD with that. Fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> so I really wanted with the series to really, you know, especially this first arc, to touch on PTSD and then later on addiction and things like that. So those were just some themes that I, I really wanted to, to go with because I thought that it would make for a more interesting story than just having him, you know, bounce around from place to place and like having no consequences to his action and being totally cool with everything that's going on around him um, yeah so yeah so ptsd um, i have family members and friends that uh, suffer from it and it can really be debilitating so i kind of wanted to bring that out a little bit in the book so, so good for you brother and thank you for that service 
for real, because, uh, you know, it, it, a lot of people suffering. I know I have friends that had served and they're dealing with that on a yeah. different level that I can't even, you know, understand. Like, all I could yeah. be is, is try to be there for them and, you know, hope yeah. that they, they, they could, you know, get over the, the trauma they experience, yeah. you know, one yeah. day, one mm. day, one day at a time, guys <laughs> and gals. But dope, man. So uh, is there an expected date of launch? Do you, can you tease that? Yeah. So September 2nd is when it'll go live. It'll probably go live about like 8 a.m. in the morning. It depends on when I wake up uh, <laughs> from Dragon Con. Um, so my hey, plan oh, is- right after Dragon Con? Are oh, you going to pimp it as Dragon? I see, I oh, yeah, see you. <laughs> yeah. so, so last year I did the same thing where the first day of Dragon Con, the first big day of Dragon Con anyways, um, before going to the convention, I launched the Kickstarter. So that way while I was on panels, I could be like, hey, check out the book, stuff like that. Now, this time it'll actually be better because I can actually, you know, carry books and show off books this time as opposed Ooh. to last time where I just had postcards. Yes. And I was like, hey, you know, go to this website and check out the book <laughs> kind of thing. And talk to Henri about how to pimp your books, too. Let me tell oh, you, yeah. every time yeah. I run at him, he's not sitting behind a table. He's in front of the table holding oh, books yeah. like, yo, you need to check this out. He's handing it. He stopped so many people here pimp. Oh, yeah. I mean, he stopped trying to stop me. I said, Henri, it's me. You go, oh, shit. I was like, damn, you, you're on your A too. game, baby. <laughs> he did that to me too last year. Um, he pimping, bro. To say hi. And he's like, hey, can I tell you about my book? I was like, I literally have already bought all your books. <laughs> um, <laughs> he's like, oh, oh sorry. He's, when, once he gets in sales mode, he's just, he just, he's just real automatic. He's a machine. Yeah, but yeah, and that's, that's the way independent creators should be. That's, you know, I, I yeah. don't even know for that. He's a real hustler and someone that really, you know, puts himself out there. I oh, mean, yeah. it's what you yeah. need to do. Make sure either if you need me, I'll do it too. I'll pop up from under the table. Like, Where are you going to buy this book? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, um, I, I don't have that much of a salesman streak in me to be able to do what Henri does. Like, that guy is just <laughs> on a whole other level. Um, I, I mean, I've gone to my first two conventions, and I've done all right, but not like Henri levels. Like, but yeah, you got some product. Things. You could compete with him soon. You know, you got you got a, you gotta have a table right next to him, and you just go at it, guys. Well, he so actually, so he, he had bought uh, like 20 books uh, to sell at conventions. He's already sold out of them because, of course, he's, oh, wow. I mean, yeah, <laughs> he's going to sell the them. Man. Yeah. See, good people. That's the type of good people, you know, in life supporting oh, yeah. your product. And you heard it, folks. It's number second right there that you're know, right here again. Can I got to keep showing it off to you? I need you guys to go to Lycan Book. Let me spell it out for you guys. L-Y-C-A-N-B-O-O-K.com. Lycan Book, all right? You want the notifications on when this bad boy go out, you know? And let's get them extra. Let's make it a Kickstarter project that they love because everybody else is going to love it for sure. Now, Thank you. we're talking about conventions. What, are you going to be what, – what's the next convention again? And, and are there any – it's just one, a couple? What's popping? We need to know so, the schedule, bro. I made the mistake of never going to conventions and then signing up for three conventions in one month while also working a 40-hour-a-week job. <sighs> So <laughs> I kind of burned myself out the first two weeks of August. So I went to Roanoke, Virginia for Big Lick Comic Con the first weekend in August. And then last cool. weekend I was in uh, Wellsboro, PA for their first ever Comic Con, which was lovely. And I have off this weekend. <laughs> so I'm going Yay! to enjoy that. <laughs> but uh, the last weekend of August, I'm going to the Maryland Pop and Horror Con. Uh, that's over uh, in Baltimore. And so I'm looking forward to that. Because um, I've actually gotten a lot of comments from people at conventions that stop and look at the book and they're like, oh, that's too scary. And I'm like, it's 
really not that scary, but all right, that's, that's fair. <laughs> so yeah, I'm hoping at a horror con, that's more what they're looking for anyways. So. Oh, absolutely. I've been to horror cons uh, for sure. They're, they're awesome, amazing. You could there's, there's our horror comic vendor guys, so you know you got this. Absolutely. Yeah. would definitely fit in. I yeah. mean, look at what that cover. You give them this kind of shit right there, a poster of this right now. What? Yeah. They'll, they'll eat it up. Eat it up. Yeah. It's fire. The, the um, I, well, like I said, I'm always happy with Christian's work. Like his his covers are just phenomenal. Um, yeah. But uh, then Dragon Con's week after that. But I'm not really selling too much at Dragon Con. I'm going to be promoting the Kickstarter, yeah. but I'm not going to be selling books too too much. You can't really do that while you're on panels. They kind of frown on that. But we have our live show. Um, so Botch does a live show every year, Dragon Con. Oh, this cool. Sunday night um, at 10, 10 p.m. in the Grand In front of people? Oh, yeah. Uh, so, normally wait a minute. You see, that's something that bugs me out. Hold on. Because, okay. you know, I, I've been doing podcasts and all. Like, how do you even get something like that together? And how do you even feel rocking a show that's live? That's kind of crazy so, to me. I know this is you, live, but in front of a stage. Well, sure. Yeah. I mean, so our first show we ever did at Dragon Con had just under 200 people in the room. And okay. none of them had heard oh. of our show before. Only one oh, person in the audience had listened to the show. Um, and then they moved us up to a bigger room. And then we were looking at like 300-ish people. The room that we're moving to now is like in the main area of foot traffic, and it holds, a, I think it's 1,000 people. So Oof. we'll see, you know, how much we fill it. It's a really good time slot, and it's on a good day too. So um, so it could be upwards of 1,000. But um, I don't know. I've never really gotten – I guess I got so desensitized the first Dragon Con because I got thrown on so many panels just one after another. Okay. Good. That I just got used to it, and I was just like, oh, okay. Trial by fire. <laughs> yeah, and the live shows are fun because, so, like, it's a D&D podcast, and it's improv comedy anyways, so it kind good. of works great on a stage. Like, we're still sitting at our table. We're all dressed up. Like, I got my costume already ready to go. Um, I've been trying to break in the boots for the last week now, so. <laughs> you got them on now, bro? Come on. <laughs> no, no, I actually took them off before coming down. Uh, I'm about to say, you got to go like this and start flexing your shoes, bro, and shit. Oh, I know. So I've been putting on. Shoe cam. So, so it's, uh, they're, they're Western boots, so I've been putting on, like, super thick socks and just wearing them for, like, eight hours a day to just, like, try and get them stretched out a bit. Oh, damn, bro. the next you're, season's going to be a, a fantasy Western, and I love Western. Oh, word? So. Oh, shit. Um, Look at this guy. You got you got so you got the whole the whole Western outfit. You even got the chaps and all that shit. Chaps? No, I don't have chaps. I'm going as uh, the man with no name from The Good, the Bad, and the Ugly. Oh, got, there we I go. I got the poncho, the hat. I got to work on the cigar or the cigarello, I guess it is. I have to figure out what to do because I get one of those candy ones, bro. I get one of those candy ones painted brown, yeah. all chocolate. And shit. Get one of those. Or I was thinking just like wrapping up cardboard like really really tightly and then just like having that. Well, you could actually get hemp paper and and, and and put marijuana in it, you know, and make believe you're smoking it. And then you could sell those, you know, by then, sure. you know. That is a good point. <laughs> so, yeah. Hey, so, I got great books. Hey, you got a free blunt. Exactly. And, uh, you know, whatever it takes. But, yes, yeah, so we're doing our live show, and it it is weird to do it live in front of people, but it's also yeah, really cool because you get the immediate reaction. So, like, when you do a joke, and like you get a like an uproar of laughter, you know. Okay, that joke hit. So now I can keep going that direction. So you feel you know, energized when you receive that? Oh yeah, super, super energized. Like we're usually just running on all cylinders. Uh, usually oh. everybody's super panicky right before it, it gets started. And then once you get started, you usually start drinking anyways. So you know, <laughs> pretty fast. And then you just 
let it ride. And every year is a different kind of crazy. Uh, one year I was throwing inflatable seagulls at people. What? Uh, yeah. <laughs> seagulls, we doing, of all things. <laughs> we were doing a story about uh, being stuck on the Titanic, and it was a mix between the thing, Jaws, and Titanic. And the one guy up on stage, his whole thing was he would kill seagulls all the time. So I, I thought it'd be fun to throw things at the audience. So I got these inflatable seagulls and I filled them with oh, water, no. be water beads. So they had some yeah. more weight to them. Oh, and no. I just started chucking them at the audience. And unfortunately, I hit this <laughs> one guy in the head like three times. <laughs> oh, he, he didn't watch the stage like, like, like Mr. Smith, right? No, he did not. Okay, he okay, okay. Just want to make sure that you're safe, bro. <laughs> <laughs> he did throw it back the last time. He's like, stop hitting me in the head. I'm like, I'm not literally trying to hit you yeah. in the head, but I had to. I'm sorry, Mr. Like Smith. That. I'm not throwing in your direction. It just happens to fly that way. The wind yeah. to go sit yeah. here somehow yeah. in this closed arena. <laughs> but yeah, uh, so. I'm digging it. I'm digging it. Folks, again, let me show that. So you guys that don't know, it's botched a D&D podcast on your favorite podcast platform. Go check it out now. Subscribe, yo, for real. You're going to dig it. And dig it. You hear me? And if you leave now. us a five-star review on iTunes, we read them at the end of every episode. So. Oh, word. Check that out. Okay. People, he, he's teasing you. He's teasing you. I'll read you. I'll read this stuff in a very Barry White voice. Yeah. Well, it depends. Thank you <laughs> depends for loving me. All right. And this person says, they love yeah. They love my podcast. This message in from mm. Chattanooga. Botched. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> yeah. He could try to make Chattanooga sound good. Yeah. That would be hysterical, bro. <laughs> they got it done. That's yeah. the most unsexiest word ever. Chattanooga. <laughs> <laughs> all right yeah. yeah bro so as that new creator now in your second project you know that you're killing it you you're doing it you know you're doing your thing bro flowers like salute being you know and for sharing that and not and not keeping it on the shelf thank you for being bold and brave enough to recognize you did have something salute to your people for also encouraging and pushing you that's very it's a beautiful thing, bro, that you got right there. Thank People you. support you in that in that fashion. So you Thank keep rocking. I know we're gonna see this in a different form really soon. So I want to ask two things before you go. What sure. is Hivehead Studios? Talk to me. <laughs> so Hivehead. So Hivehead Studios was an idea that uh, so a long, 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 long time ago when I was back in college. This was 2006, I think it was. I went to art school for a little bit, and I was majoring in animation. And I was taking a history of animation course, and I was doing a flip book. And the flip book was this chubby little dude or lady. Didn't, it was, didn't have a <laughs> gender. And it had a beehive haircut. But it was like a literal beehive. So a bee flew out of the top, and then the person <laughs> eats the bee, and then it bounces around in their cheeks, and then their head explodes into like a thousand bees. And then it spells out Head Studios. And my nice. teacher was like, yeah, your, your flip book's fine, but like that name, keep that name because that's a cool name for a studio. So like, yeah. I guess I just kept it in the back of my head. But, um, you know, for business purposes, because this is technically a business. So, yep. you know, of course, you're taxes, an entrepreneur. Yeah. Bro. So like taxes and all that stuff, you know, I needed an LLC. So I was like, all right, well, I'll make a, you know, instead of just using my name and being like Dennis Robinson LLC or like instead of like an LLC, yeah. because I do plan on doing other books. I was like, OK, I'll have an umbrella. And I'll just call it yes. Head Studios. And um, so I, I do have other comics that I want to do at some point, but I probably won't do them until this series can become more self-sufficient as opposed to me just constantly backing everything financially and then slowly recouping the cost on things. Um, right. So, you know, if like the Kickstarter turns out to be like a gigantic success, then, you know, then I could 
possibly start working on other things because it's like, okay, now the series is starting to, you know, get legs under it. It's able to take care it of itself. Support itself. To, yeah. yeah, exactly. Isn't that the key? You always want to listen. What is like, you know, it's like raising a child. You want, you yeah. know, you're building this for it to support itself eventually. Yeah. And, and, and stop and stop mooching off daddy. Yeah. <laughs> so like this series, I'm definitely doing because this is something I've always wanted to do. This is a story that I've always wanted to tell. So one way or another, Good for you, bro. this book series is going to happen. All 15 books, because I know what happens all the way to the last page of the last book, you know, book 15. So once it's all done, that's that. So if don't, I can... Folks, don't kidnap him. Do not kidnap him and try to torture him to get the ending. Don't do that. All right? We all want to know, too. We'll find out in due time. Just keep supporting. <laughs> I appreciate that. I appreciate that. But so the idea would be, you know, once it becomes self-sufficient, okay, now I can start telling other stories. But... If the series never gets to that point, if it never becomes self-sufficient, then okay, I'll I'll be fine just doing this, and then I'll still be able to tell other stories through the podcast. Um, but if it does, then sure, I'll start making other books. Like I said, I have two other ideas in my head already. I just haven't put them down on paper yet. Excellent, as you should. Awesome. So, what type of advice would you give to you know up-and-coming creators too that were in your space at one time, you know, trying to come up and you know again first. The first book, successful crowd on the crowdfunding platform already. Again, that's awesome achievement. So, what lessons have you have you learned for these new jacks trying to step into? The biggest lesson that I could impart would be networking. Networking mm. is the most important thing you can do, but you have to do it right. But what I mean is, a lot of people who are not used to networking think it's like okay. Start talking to a person and then use them for your own benefits. No, no, no. People smell that from a mile away. Mm-hmm. How you should do networking is, you know, go up to somebody, meet with them, talk to them a little bit, you know, try and get their information. And then more of a, you scratch their back somehow, some way. And then later on down the road, they'll just help you out because you're friends at that point. Um, yes. That is how I would do networking. Every time we, I've done any networking, it's because of that. Where you know, I didn't go and talk to somebody because I wanted something. I didn't want them to do something for me. Like all the artists that have helped with botched. Yeah, I went to them to try and hire them, but I was like paying them for work. So it's like, hey, I want to yeah. pay you to do a thing. And then because they worked with us through botched, I was able to network them, network through them. You know for other stuff so for instance nice the one artist cloverkin her husband is gabbo who is now the art editor on the book because oh, of wow. her i got to gabbo because i got to gabbo i got all the artists that i have on the book because wow. he put me in touch with the facebook group so you never know what contact you make is going to turn into something else completely different for instance botched a dnd podcast our first live show at dragon con um i think it was either the first or second row shannon who i mentioned earlier she had never heard of the show. She came, sat in the audience, and then has followed us ever since. And now she and I are wow. good friends. She comes with me to conventions. She pimps this book nonstop. Uh, um, I don't know what. Shout out Shannon. People. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> right. I don't know what she tells people because she's like, I don't tell anybody anything that you don't already tell them. But she must be so incredibly passionate when she talks about it because people just start bending over backwards to try and get involved. If it's energy, it, uh, she must give the awesome yeah. energy. Then, because that's what it is. Yeah. You give this. I've sold books for Joe St. P. I don't know if he is, you know, awesome artist out of Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. Every time I would say hello to him, somebody would be looking at a book. 
I was just pimping, and he always walking away with a seven. He goes, Al, I need you to be popping out of tables or something for me. <laughs> Every time you're here, you sell a book. Like, yeah, you owe me commission, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I would say, you know, networking is the most important thing because a lot of the other sort of potholes and speed bumps that I have experienced, and I've experienced many, you could avoid if you networked properly. So, you know, for instance, I had issues with like printing. Okay, well, if I had utilized the contacts better that I had in networking, I could have maybe avoided some of those problems. Or when I did hit speed bumps, I got around them because I had people in my network that I could go to ask questions, get advice for um, Kickstarter tips, went and spoke to a bunch of people. One of the, the best uh, or most helpful things that somebody gave me for the Kickstarter to, to research anyways was a PDF of a book from somebody who I think he, I can't remember if he's the writer or the artist, but he made Code Monkey Saves the World. Um, okay. It's like one of, it's like one of the biggest Kickstarter comics like of all time. Yeah. So he, he, all of his Kickstarters are super, super successful. We're talking like close to a million or more than a million Jesus dollars Christ. for most of them. <laughs> so he wrote a book about Kickstarter, like making a successful Kickstarter campaign for comic books. So I would definitely go and check that out because it's, it was super helpful and it really it touches on a lot of things that you need to know like for instance if it's your first kickstarter and nobody knows you a lot of people go into kickstarter thinking okay i will get the money from kickstarter and then make the book nope no not if you're new <laughs> your book needs to be done and then you can do the kickstarter because people don't trust you like they don't know it's going to be done like a lot of mm -hmm. people will make projects and then never follow through with it or and then they just lose that money. i'm a victim i'm a victim me too me too. I'm a victim, so, you know, but I'm a victim from a big guy. Oh, okay. Rob Liefeld. I'll say it again. Oh. You owe me that fucking book brigade, dude. I mean, <laughs> how many years? Like 10, 12 years already? Oh, look at this. This was black when I ordered it. <laughs> but yeah, so so that guide gives a lot of really good tips, like making sure your book's done on time. should have bought that and book. Then, <laughs> and then factoring in um, shipping costs. So like literally I went to the post office, I made fake packages based on like what the weight I thought was going to be. Okay. Went to the post office and said, how much does it cost to ship these? And one by one, I itemized it and wrote down, okay, this is the amount of shipping. Oh, wow. that charge. I was like, what's the, what's the most expensive place in the U.S. I can send this to? Because that's what I'm going to have to charge for shipping. Hawaii most likely, right? You never know. Uh, I think it was Alaska or certain parts of California even maybe. Um, in the desert, the somebody with that one house in the middle of the desert. <laughs> yeah, and then international shipping is the same way because international shipping is insane. It's murder. Expensive. It's murder. It's like even to ship just a book, it's like thirty bucks. It costs more than the book itself. Oh yeah, way more than the book. Oh yeah, way more. How do you even? Okay, so I gotta check out this book because if he's able to help you kind of you know figure that out, obviously it sounds like a lot of work, but obviously it helps and in the process. And it's not that long of a book, uh, or because like I said, I got the PDF. Um, somebody had given it to me, and I think it's, I think it's only like a hundred pages or something like that. It's That's not nothing. very long. If you and, can't get through hundred pages, then. <laughs> yeah. And he goes through everything in terms of like fulfillment, um, you know, reward levels, stretch goals, all that stuff. Like he breaks things down in a very digestible and understandable manner. And you're not going to be able to get all the information from it, but yeah. it's got a lot of really good information. Um, and then the rest you get from research like that's what I spend a lot of time doing when I make when I made the second Kickstarter and the first Kickstarter I looked around at other Kickstarters and mm. I was like, okay what did they do that I should incorporate into this Kickstarter 
what rewards were they offering? Like uh, what stretch goals were they going with? What level, you know, what all that different information, because you can look at, there are so many different Kickstarter campaigns, both yes, live no. and ended to be able to look at and see what do I think would work or not work? What was successful? What wasn't successful? In cert certain circumstances, you can even reach out to those creators. And mm -hmm. sometimes they'll talk to you and give you like feedback and tips and stuff like that. But again, it's more networking. Don't be afraid to talk to people, people. <laughs> yeah. It's definitely something like I am an introvert. So it's one of those things where I just sort of had to become a sociopath and just get over the idea of like, oh, I'm very shy at talking to people I don't know. You just kind of have to get over it. Like yep. it's not easy. And like, I know that's, it sounds terrible to say like, just get over it. It doesn't really work that way. You sort of have to practice it and do it and do it and fail at it and fail at it and fail at it until you just sort of get into a rhythm of things and then it becomes second nature and you're just like okay whatever it's fine like i have a fear of public speaking and yet i go and yeah, do like seven eight panels at dragon con every oh, year bro. because they threw me on so many that i just got over it yeah i and hosted two panels once and i was a nervous nervous wreck now Moderating that's the only panels, thing. I still get nervous, but being yeah, that shit had me like this. I was yeah. mega shaking, baby. Holy shit, that yeah. had me nervous as heck. It's not, it's not me to do that yet. Yeah. I, I am like you. I am an introvert. That's why I have Al Mega as the persona. You know, yeah. that's why when you were talking about dualities, you know, earlier in the program, yeah. folks, you're gonna rewind. You gotta hear about that. I'm talking about those duality. That you know, I, I feel I'm that because you know I'm Alex Perez and then I'm also Al Mega. Alex yeah. Perez is an introvert. Al Mega is a loudmouth. As you could tell, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he goes, yeah, I agree. It's not, it's not, I mean, but that, but that's, I mean, it's it's the, like the best trait to have as a podcaster. You want to be a loud mouth, like you don't want it. Like podcasts don't really work for people who are very quiet and very mousy because, like, you you need to have a personality <laughs> that draws people in and gets them interested in whatever you're talking about. Why and, did I just picture the lady from Police Academy when you said mousy? <laughs> oh, please. <laughs> And then she beats them, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so and I and I'm not like that normally outside of you know podcasting or doing this sort of stuff. Yeah. Uh, it's just one of those things that I've practiced it over time and gotten used to it to the point where it's like, okay, I can be outgoing, I can trick people into thinking I'm an extrovert. Uh, when really I'm not. I'd much prefer to stay in my house <laughs> by myself with the dog and just do whatever. <laughs> yeah, I hear you, kiddo. Well, that's good stuff too. You see, folks, we're all introverts. We can be experts. It's true. Not that it's easy, you know. Not just get over it, like, man. You know, yeah. but but you know what we mean by that. It's just fight it. Don't let that inner voice that tries to tell you no. You know, you say no to that motherfucker. All right. Yeah. It's so practice. Yeah, this is practice. Everything in life. So check it out. Because again, look at all his dope practice. You can check it out at HypeHeadStudios. Okay. Dot com. Visit that website so you'll get the volume one, right? You should, you, they could buy book one from there from you, from yep. your website? So if, you, if you go on hiveheadstudios.com, you can buy the book. You can buy it physically, you can buy it digitally, and you can actually Ooh. download the first 18 pages for free to even see if you like the book. So if you're like, oh, oh I'm curious about it, but I'm not quite sure, you can buy, or not even buy because it's zero. So you can download a free sample of the book, and it's like the first quarter of the book. It's a little bit more than a quarter. And you know, that'll that give you an idea. You hear this, folks? You hear that, right? He, that's how much he believes in the product. You get an 18-page sample. That's almost a full-length comic book by today's standards. <laughs> you know what that's I mean? True. The um, And then 
with the next Kickstarter that launches on September 2nd, I will also have some tiers that have like the first and second book like bundled together. Or Ooh. if you wanted to go one of the higher tiers but still need the first book, you can just add it as an add-on. Ooh, there you go. You see that? You're going to be left behind, folks. Get the whole story. And support the two on Patreon. Sort of love. You get some exclusive content there. If you love exclusivity, that's where you got to go. So patreon.com slash Hive head studios and there you go follow him on instagram at world's most okay estdm <laughs> so it's world's most okayest dm because that's uh, okayest that's what my, dm Jesus yeah that's what, my, that's what my players call me so it kind of stuck on the internet <laughs> they stuck that's your tag bro all right but yep. that is a long tag the cops would have arrested you by the time you finish tagging <laughs> that wall uh. <laughs> and of course folks visit liking book l-y-c-a-n bwk.com so you could get notified on the second project september 2nd is dropping we don't know will it be in the morning will it be midday afternoon no one knows but then it all depends when he wakes up all right <laughs> and of course you can follow him on his podcast botched a dnd podcast on your favorite podcasting platform today so sign up join up and have a hell of time as you check them out bro you've been awesome i appreciate you thank you for your time been fun Thank you for having me on man it's, it was a great time it was great talking to you i appreciate you know having the time no but it's fire yo pick up this book i'm already like i said halfway through one and I, i'm digging it again i got upset that i had to stop reading to talk <laughs> to the writer you believe that shit? yeah that's how good it is you're doing a wonderful job brother you made me Thank a you. fan today this is your partner's life right there bro for real and with that saying that you know what to do me they follow us on comiccrusaders.com got all the links for everything reviews previews columns i mean all that good stuff follow us also on undercovercapes.com that's my extended family some dope projects by joining the machine huge you know what i mean david taylor everybody else so i mean on the team we got some dope, dope, dope stuff coming up real soon so stay tuned on uh on the socials you know what i mean on youtube facebook twitter all right hasta la próxima mi gente much love Wepa. thank you for listening to the comic crusaders podcast if you like the content, please subscribe and turn on notifications. Also, please visit ComicCrusaders.com and our extended podcast family over at UndercoverCapes.com. And also, make sure to download the Comic Crusaders app on the Google Play Store today. 